Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. Here's a question. What's the question? Straight out the hatch. Here's a question. Right. Have I dreamt this? Or was somebody bringing back Rent-A-Ghost? If your mansion house needs haunting, just call. With Ben Stiller. Well, there was a version... <laughs> there was a version of it that apparently Ben Stiller was going to do. Right. Russell Brand was somehow involved. Uh, and that's all of the information we have. Who was he going to be? Um, Mr... Claypole. Claypole, I'm guessing, yeah. Claypole was the tosser with the belt. <laughs> yeah, Jester. It's pronounced Jester. Yeah, he's certainly that, wasn't he? No but, longer with us. Michael Staniforth was his name. Who was the guy that owned the place? Mr. Meacher. Meacher? Was it Meacher? <laughs> Don't mention Meacher. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. Now you're going to trouble. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to Meacher in a yeah. second. <laughs> so Ben Stiller was, but it was, was it going to be a film version of Rent a Ghost, or was it going to be like back on kids' TV? Well, somebody bought the rights to it, and Rent a Ghost was going to happen. Yes, and then it's it's one of those things. It's like in development hell, like the Banana Man movie they announced last year. That's meant to be coming out in 2015. They've not got a lot of time left. I like the idea of Hollywooding up Rent a Ghost. Part of Molly Weir, played by Vin Diesel. <laughs> hey, bellboy, get the f*** out! <laughs> I mean, I, I, as for the, the whole Rent-A-Ghost thing, that was a very strange show. In the, it started... Yeah, just a bit. But it started very differently, because there were like... By the end of it, you had a witch, the jester, the pantomime horse, yeah. and the neighbours, who, by the way, had a cancer at the back of the uh, living That's room. Right, so did. when they got back from work... Yeah, yeah. I, was, I can't remember if it was Meacher or Meeker, but we'll come back to that. What was interesting was, though, it started with, like, two other guys. Uh, one who was, at the time, a sort of noted comedy B star, if you like. There was a guy who dressed like John Pertwee, and then there was Claypool. And oh, then it turned into was a, an early run to rent The first series of Rent-A-Ghost, as I recall, was very different to the way it ended up. I think the guy whose house, the, you know, the, the, the fella who owned the house. Yes. This is Talk about full circle. I think... He was in Bless This House, the sitcom. Right. Where they had f***ing decanters coming out of their... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Arseholes. We are obsessed with these decanters. <laughs> yeah, they're in we everything, need, though. We need one in here. Oh, we should have. A little trolley. What, what we can fun. conclude is that Rent-A-Ghost was clearly written by people who were off their tits. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of how much... Because, obviously, we saw it in reruns in the, the uh, early the 90s. It had the with the flash commercial. Yeah. It had the bloke with the bells. It had a horse... Her from Coronation Street. That's right, she was in it, wasn't she? She was in it. Miss Popoff. Miss Popoff. All manner of shenanigans, ghost-based and otherwise kicking off on a regular basis. This was not normal fodder for kids' television. But then if they You'd bring... go from Jack and Ori to Rent-A-Ghost. I never even liked... Again, we're talking about old TV shows. <laughs> What's like, happened to us, Kev? It's like, it's like listening to Danny Baker. <laughs> but, I mean, if... In terms of TV shows, I, uh, kids' TV shows, I was never a fan of, of Jack and Ori. Hated it. It was just boring. With a passion. And it's still, you know, it's still on. Uh, yeah, they brought it back. They brought it back. But they... there, was, there was one exception to that, though. Yeah. When Kenneth Williams did it, I watched it. But in terms of... That's right, he was quite a regular. Everyone else, I just couldn't give a shit, honestly. Then there was that other one that was on the other that was on ITV where he read The Book Tower. Was it called The Book Tower? There was The Book Tower. With that tall actor with the blonde hair. We could do that. We could do a podcast or a radio show where we just read books for kids. 
There's a kids' radio station, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. So let's do that. Hello, kids. Our book this week is Salem's Lot. (laughs) (laughs) Ian Collins wants a word. So what do you got, Kev? Uh, we do have questions and feedback via social media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, because we haven't mentioned this since we came back. No. Ian at onceaword.com, yeah. Kev at onceaword.com, or via Twitter at Sideshow underscore Kev and uh, you. I've just been going through the uh, the inbox, by the way. Yeah. Because uh, my inbox, because it's obviously different to yours. Because I hadn't been there for a little while because of events. Of course. Uh, so... Uh, if you'd emailed and put stuff forward for questions or random acts, then they will hopefully be included over the next couple of episodes. Yes. But if they're... I mean, if they're shit, they will be ignored. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Much like Vision On, we can't return emails, uh, but we do try to show as many as we can. Like the gallery, pushing the whole gallery thing, which, as you know, I don't believe was real. I don't think anybody does. I think it was a member. It was members of the BBC who would yeah. draw all of those pictures and just say, hey, "Here you go." Because I don't we've, know anyone who ever ever appeared in the gallery. We've done no. Um, we've done lots of phone-ins over the years of like you know, were you ever on Jim will fix it uh, as an example? And uh, we had one of the kids who was in that roller coaster. Remember the Cubs at their dinner on a roller coaster? Yeah. But so, and we've got we've had that and we've had people who've been on blockbusters people who've been on bullseye people who got blue pizza badges people who swapped something on swap shop but never never in years of doing retro based phone-ins have i ever spoken to anybody who had a picture shown in tony hart's gallery or for regular listeners want a blankety blank checkbook and well we know about that conspiracy yeah network. i mean yes. it's a, the bb they talk about the bbc and all of the scandals yeah. the biggest scandal of all is how they they lied they lied to the kids watching take heart but the good thing is that morph is back morph is back on youtube he's back on youtube danger mouse is back on it's still very funny CBBC. as well morph so they, they've not lost any of that yeah well i mean it's it's a classic morph yeah, love it. uh from falco I worry about people on Facebook. If you believe they're wee emoticons, you know what an emoticon is? You know what an emoticon is? You know little smiley faces? Yes, I'm I'm the innovator. I'm not really explaining it to you. It's just in case, like, for example, if Will Guyett's listening, I know he's not very very savvy in that respect. But anyway, Falco writes, I worry about people on Facebook. If you believe they're wee emoticons, uh, they're always either crying with laughter or thunderously angry about the mildest of matters. Should we be worried? I think this is an excellent point. Someone will, like, share a an amusing cat video, yeah. and they'll do one of those little emoticons of someone literally crying with laughter. Yeah. Now, it doesn't seem to take very much to set people off one way or the other, because <laughs> I will watch it and go, eh, it's a cat falling down the stairs. It's all right. Yeah. Go up and walked away, so it's It's not okay. crying with laughter territory. No. Or people being thunderously angry, yeah. uh, with a red face, like, sure. I burnt my toast. Yeah. I, I, it, it just seems to me... So that- what you're saying, there's a gap in the emoticon market where somebody could just... Because what strikes me, they haven't really made many more, but they have become more... Have you noticed they've become more ethnically diverse? Yes, they have, yes. They clearly decided that uh, emoticons were invented by, essentially, the animation equivalent of Eugene Terre Blanche <laughs> and decided they need to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful of other races and colours. So they decided to put every type of face in every type of colour. Yeah. Which doesn't always translate... People use them all the time. I mean, because I, I tend to think you can use them occasionally because yeah. occasionally stuff gets in text or whatever. You don't quite get the meaning. Yep. Meanings can be lost. But 
I don't know necessarily that, I mean, it's becoming a substitute for actually writing well or using proper emotions. People in real life don't go from like, oh, that's amazing, oh, I'm crying, to buying a sandwich from M&S. But on Facebook, that's what they do. That's correct. I think the question is, what do we do about these people? Maybe we'll do a, an episode just on that. But then again, maybe we won't. From DJ Des Zero, Dorking's number one mobile disc jockey. <laughs> Hi, Des. Hi. Des writes, you guys were away when the Prime Minister was reported to have stuck his cock <laughs> in a pig. Has Ian ever inserted his old fella somewhere it shouldn't have been? But what do you want me to say? What kind of podcast would this be if I suddenly revealed my proclivity for pavements? Well, you don't have to. I just have to write a book about you, and then people will publish it. But here's the thing. Did you ever watch the programme of the uh, people who had sexual penchants for motor cars? I saw one a while ago, and it wasn't cars, but it was buildings and things, like the woman yeah. who married the Eiffel Tower. And, yeah, and so there was on. that. And then there's people who have things with pavements. They, they shag pavements. Right. They love a pavement. Right. And I, I don't know what it is about the pavement. It, I'll avoid the obvious. But <laughs> it's somehow the pavement talks to them. Yeah. Not visually it talks to them. They see something in the pavement. And similarly with a car, I thought, I didn't actually realise that those people who have, and this is very real, by the way, anybody listening to this thinking, you're making this shit up. Right. No, this is true. And there was a Channel 4 documentary that followed a couple of people who have this car-based, I, I don't know what it's called, I don't know whether you're called an autophile or okay. what, whatever it is. But you essentially fancy cars, and you do fancy them based on the grill and the headlights that look like a face. Wow. And they followed this guy, and uh, they, the, the crew were following him, and they stayed in a motel that night. And they were trying to get him, to, you know, they said, we've got to go to sleep now. And he was, like, looking at this car outside, saying, no, I just want to stay here, you know, seeing somebody I like. And oh, they no. said, well, no, but, we've, you know, we've got to be up early in the morning. And then... Uh, lo and behold, the cameraman looked out the window of his motel, and there was Matey <laughs> f***ing a land <laughs> uh, He couldn't get enough. Uh, uh, I, I mean, people are incredible, but I think we'd be remiss at this point if we didn't say, this winter, if you're going to f*** a car, f*** a Mitsubishi. <laughs> From Dr. Roger Rogerton. Hi, boys. I've just noticed something about babies. Andre, give me some baby music! No, not baby making music. Music that represents babies. Lads, I've just noticed something about babies. In most cases, they cost nothing to get, but once you've got them, you have to buy loads of stuff to keep them going. Yep. So babies are like phone apps, free to play, but need in-app purchases to get the most out of them. Can I have an award? P.S. I'm not a proper doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Babies are all right. I like babies. They're good fun. Yeah. Well, yours isn't a baby anymore. He's in his 20s, isn't he? Yeah, 29. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, 20 months. 20 months? That isn't... that. That's like... That's not a baby. No. And it's not quite a toddler. It's, no. It's sort of a... Bobble, bobble, babbler. But he... I, I've discovered something else about him. Um, I think... And it took us a little while to come to terms with this. And I don't know whether we should speak to somebody or seek some kind of help or try and get to a child psychologist. But I think... I think he's turning into a Geordie. <laughs> Why? Because I picked up, he's got a little boat in the, you know, that he has in the bath, and I picked that up, I said, what's that? And he went, boot. <laughs> and I thought, hang on, how does that, boot? And he said it three times. Oh, blimey. Boot. 
It's like a miniature James Bolam. My kid, the Geordie. Oh, well, it's exciting. Well, I think it's a great accent to have. It's just not the one that he kind of should have. <laughs> no, indeed, no. I mean, that's... Uh, well, when he meets his real dad... Well, there will be that. Yeah, at least you know where to look now. Yeah, Tim Healy. <laughs> uh, and finally, Esther, from Pete Beale. <laughs> uh, Kev, you're a geek. Remember when shops like Dixon's had computers like Spectrums and BBC Micros <laughs> all set up so you could try out games from cassette and so on? They should bring that back. Yeah. I do remember that. You used to be able to go in, and if you had a little bit of programming know-how, yeah. you could uh, go into your local branch of Dixon's and do 10 print, Dixon's is shit, 20 go to 10, run, and do it on all of the machines. So everyone walking in there would just see scrolling messages saying Dixon's is shit. Did you do it? Oh, constantly. Uh, but then people started stealing the cassettes, so they would just load up the games and take the cassettes away. Oh, I see. Cassettes, though. Cassettes. cassettes. Well, they're saying that reel-to-reel tape is making a comeback. Is it? Yes, apparently. Aud- audio files right. are very much into old reel-to-reel yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chinagraph pencils and razor blades and all of that kind of thing. So isn't the cassette due a comeback, then? Now that we've thrown them all out. Well, for what purpose? Merely the nostalgic idea of owning it, as distinct from any particular use. Well, that's the same. I mean, people collect CDs and they collect LPs and cassettes, which they have more of a sort of temporary nature to them, I suppose. But there hasn't been any sort of big revolution where people are having them even for kitsch value. It's sort of like they're they're forgotten almost. Should we do some of these? Some of what? It is, of course, random acts of irrational annoyance, the stuff in life, small, insignificant, some would say, the kind of thing that your mates would say, it doesn't matter, just jog on. But, you know, it really does matter, because it bugs the life out of you. Random acts of irrational annoyance. Kev, have you got one? I've got two. Great. We haven't done this for a while. No. So I've actually got more than two, but I'm only going to do two. All right. I keep getting electric shocks from shopping trolleys, and I can't figure out why. Yeah, I sometimes get them from parking ticket machines. Oh, you were going to say, I sometimes get them when I stick my fingers in the power socket. <laughs> you know when you press the button and the barrier comes up in the car park? Yeah. Those swines, get them from them all the time. Never but, from a shopping trolley. But if you're pushing a shopping trolley along, and then you happen to make contact with, like, for example, one of your kids, then they go, ah, don't do that again, yes. because they feel like you're zapping them with your special electric... Cattle prod. Cattle prod. And I can't figure it out. Someone said to me, it's because I wear rubber shoes. Really? Which, I don't go to Tesco in my wellies, so I can't quite figure out why I'm getting electric shocks. Kev at once the word You wear a rubber outfit. Well, yes, but that's only special occasions, as you know. Sideshow gimp. <laughs> well, I'm, I've been called worse. You've probably seen the uh, the little cards in telephone boxes. Do they still do cards in telephone boxes? I don't know. Do they still do telephone boxes? No, well, good question. It's all Wi-Fi cards now, I would imagine, isn't it? I think so. Uh, and the other one is, and we uh, we did touch on, uh, who was it? It was uh, Falco, who who was talking about Facebook. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a simple one, but when people post what is, let's be honest, a really shit joke, and then at the bottom, they've just shared it, it says, if you don't share this, you have no sense of humour. Yeah, that's that about. It's vaguely bullying. It's bullying you into sharing it. It is a bit, isn't it? And it's a shit yeah. joke. And maybe the reason you're sharing it is because you know it's terrible. Uh, but for some reason, people feel obliged to share this to prove they have a sense of humour. I don't need to prove I have a sense of humour. No. Listen to this podcast. There's nothing funny about this podcast. No, you are the Stan Boardman of the <laughs> podcasting world. Look at those fuckers. I'm not chippy. That's weird. I was thinking about Stan Boardman today. Really? Yeah, it's exactly for the fuckers line. Didn't I used to work with his daughter? 
Andrea? Yes. Yeah, what happened to her? Good question. Andrea Boardman. Was she, what was she on, Challenge TV? Yes. Right. Did you ever... Uh... No. I forgot to put this in a uh, couple of weeks back on on the Beyonce uh, special. The best, <laughs> the best single response. So I'm going to throw this one in now. Right. The best single response... Uh, to that whole Beyonce fiasco. For those who didn't hear it, see the last episode for details. The Ian Collins incident. Yeah, I think you need to listen to it. It's educational, if nothing else. In fact, it's f***ing shocking, if nothing else. <laughs> it really else. is, yeah. Uh, but actually, the best comment about the whole thing came from a guy on Facebook who simply made the point that forget all the, you know, is Beyonce good, is she bad, is she a role model? He said, what on earth is the president's wife doing saying happy birthday to a pop star. He said, can you imagine in the 80s, Dennis Thatcher saying happy birthday to Shaking Stevens? <laughs> Perfect analogy. That's tremendous. Totally nailed. But actually, my random act kind of is is in a similar ballpark. Right. Because, like, so Michael Meacher, back to... rent ghost Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, M- Michael Meacher uh, died a couple of weeks ago, and... He was reasonably famous. I think there's a lot of people who go, who the f- is Michael Meacher? Yeah. But he was a, 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 served in the Blair cabinet. Uh, he'd previously served in uh, other uh, Labour cabinets before, you know, before we were all alive. And so he'd done the rounds in that respect. He was a bit of an elder statesman. Uh, but he was also a curious character. Uh, many questions, uh, I always felt, followed him around. So I put a little tweet out. And okay, it was the day that he died. <laughs> right. Um, and it said, socialist, MP, and anti-greed campaigner, Michael Meacher has died aged 75. Oh. He passed away peacefully in one of his seven houses. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, Michael Meacher was known. And Mark Thomas, the comedian, picked up on this. I think Mark Thomas did a whole show or a segment of a show about exactly Nine Homes Meacher. Because, you know, Meacher was a privately educated son of a stockbroker, Oxbridge educated, very affluent, multimillionaire, mm-hmm. socialist, anti-greed campaigner who made some very, very staunch speeches about how people shouldn't own more than one home, how it was blocking the property market. And mm. then it was discovered he owned nine of the f***ing <laughs> things. Now, I'm sorry... Politicians are not able to enjoy the same rules, even in death, as everyone else. Is that a bit reasonable? Well, I mean, you only have to look at the uh, the outpouring of grief uh, when Margaret Thatcher <laughs> yes. died as example of that, where people couldn't wait to get on that particular bandwagon. I got so much crap on Twitter. from, And what was extraordinary about it was that... Okay, even if you thought... I mean, one guy says, this is the most distasteful thing I've ever read on Twitter. I am unfollowing you. I am deleting all the apps of any radio station you've ever worked at. I will never listen to you again. And I thought, hang on. In the gradient of things that are offensive post-mortem, is that really up there? I don't think... It's not like I said, I'm glad he's dead. It's not as if I celebrated the fact that he'd popped his clogs. I wasn't reeling with delight that a left-winger had gone to meet... Karl Marx in the sky. There was none of that going on. I simply just made a slightly droll comment on his multiple home ownership. I thought that was kind of reasonable. It's the sort of thing you might read it in private eye, you might get it on a Guido Fawkes site, you might hear it on a panel show. It wasn't that kind of, it wasn't that dark really. 
No, I mean, I, I, I texted you and, and said, oh, that was really funny. And the next thing I know, everybody hates you. And they're coming after you burning bitch Extraordinary. Forks. And yeah, it didn't matter. You couldn't really... I mean, I tend to think the way to deal with that is you don't reply yeah. to people because you then get into an argument and then it looks as if you're defending it. But there were one or two savoury delights that I couldn't uh, avoid and ended up having a little bit of a tete-a-tete with some people. A guy who just said to me, you're a massive twat. <laughs> and that was his answer. So <laughs> thank you very much indeed yeah, for fair, that. That's a fair fair point, yeah. really. But you could have just said it to my face rather than tweeting it. Oh, never would, though. Never would. This comes in from Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Random acts of a rational alliance. He said, no, I don't get this. You might get this. He says, Subway, as in the sandwich bar. Oh, yeah, right. Subway... Not tessellating the cheese triangles properly. <laughs> what does tessellating mean? It's something to do with points, isn't it? And everything sort of fits together, and presumably the cheese triangles aren't quite at the angle they should be. Well, they hang out the roll, don't they? I don't know. I don't go in. I mean, Subway, I've been to Subway, but I haven't been there for. They do a long like it. Yeah, if you ask for cheese, it comes with. It, they are cheese triangles. Oh, I see. So that much I get. So tessellating is what the act of. Tessellation. Tessellation. Yes. So when you've tessellated your cheese, you've carried out a tessellation process. You have, yes. Telestinctually. Yes, which creates a quango. Yes, or a mango. Why? I don't know. Uh, Johnny, thank you for that. Next time you're in Subway, just ask for a cheese and mango roll. <laughs> I bet they do it. Maybe they do. Judge Berry says, uh, people who check five different accounts at a cash point when they know you're waiting. That's a very good point. I always thought there's a kind of unspoken rule. That Correct. If you, if you, check, you do what you have to do, and if you need to check anything else, you go back to the back of the queue. Yep. Now, I know why people wouldn't do that, but it's, it's effectively what uh, Del Strain and I talk about regularly, which is manners. Admittedly, Dell's more animated about it than I am, but the whole manners thing and the lack of, of manners and etiquette... Our parents brought us up well, didn't they? It is kind of strange that, uh, on that point, we, we did a bit of a phone-in at the other place on this a couple of weeks back. Um, just about the kind of stuff that once upon a time would only have been done uh, under the light of a silvery moon when it was dark, in terms of behaviour. Well, like dogging. And <laughs> in particular. But now there doesn't seem to be a, really a taboo as to whether you behave like a quack, quack, oops <laughs> in broad daylight. There doesn't seem to be a problem. And I'm reminded of that, really, by all of these incidents we keep seeing of people racially abusing others on a bus. No, yeah. Now, even if you're not thinking straight, everybody knows that somebody on the bus will have a phone to yeah. record this because we've yeah. all seen the ranting woman on the tram. We've mm. all seen the person that loses it on the tube. We've all seen that idiot on the double deck. So all of those are now famous uh, multi-million hit YouTube offerings. So you'd think they would be aware of that, but the bus itself has CCTV, and there's 120 people watching you yeah. when you're abusing somebody. So as a fellow that... Uh, well, we can't speak too much about live court cases, of obviously. Of course. But there was a fella abusing an old man, there was a woman abusing another woman, and just staggering stuff. Who the f*** are these people? It amazes me, though, they get so many hits on YouTube that they're not offered a book deal automatically. Because I don't know if you've looked at the top ten books in the country, but there's things like, uh, I, I remember uh, being in a bookshop. It was kind of a novelty, as I don't think people really go into bookshops yes. much anymore. And it was like, uh, number three was a book called It's Me by Marcus someone. And I thought, well, who the f*** is Marcus someone? And I looked at it, and it turns out he has a YouTube channel. Really? And that's it. And he just talks about his day. 
and five million people watch it. If you are the the inst- the protagonist of the incident, in the, you know people can earn uh, good money, can't they, out of YouTube videos? If you get enough hits, so if you are the protagonist of the incident, could you set the incident up? And then still earn out of it. So it would be called something like, I don't know, a jihadist bit my finger. (laughs) (laughs) So you get it all recorded on the bus, you lob out some abuse, and then you sit back and you earn the cash as it comes running out. Or would YouTube say, sorry, we're not paying out on that? I don't know. It's worth a try, though, isn't it? Although I would suggest if you actually really want to go that extra mile, just make sure halfway through this parade of abuse. Stop for five minutes and give out some tips on how to play Minecraft uh, while dressed as a sort of novelty cat. And then you no doubt you're going to get even more views and even more money. And there must be surely something in the genre of just filming people like me watching people doing that. (laughs) uh, Which I think would be you know, clearly the next evolution of these videos. Well try that on the bus on the way home. Good idea. Uh, This in from Steve Emerson, who says, uh, Random acts of rational annoyance, TripAdvisor hotel reviews that start with, the flight was delayed, and on my first day, my daughter got sunburned. (laughs) Is that the hotel's fault? I'm with you there, sir. I'm absolutely with you there. Nothing to do with your TripAdvisor comment. Nothing. But that happens on podcasts, doesn't it? Every now and again, we'll get, uh, like, a a one-star review. And the reason for it is because somebody's phone doesn't work. (laughs) Yes. It's not our (laughs) f***ing fault. It's interesting, the TripAdvisor one, because I was so incensed at a um, review of a hotel. I got banned from TripAdvisor. Did you? Yeah. Um, well, it's because I, and I may have told this story before, but I um, read a review, and effectively, it was exactly that. Somebody who said, oh, we got there, my husband tripped over a step and, uh, and broke his kneecap uh, and had to go to hospital, and the rest of the holiday was terrible because we couldn't do anything or go anywhere. The food was all right, but gave it one star. So I posted a review under an assumed name, Sideshow Kev obviously being my real name, and said, um, you know, right after that review, she says, um, yes, I'm also disgusted with this hotel because as I was walking through the reception, a grand piano fell on my head. <laughs> the next thing I know, uh, I'm having a look to see how many people have said, I'm, you know, that's, that's funny, well done. Gone, and I got an email saying, you know, due to the rules of the forum, blah blah really? blah, it has, has been removed. So somebody re- noted that. Yeah, pro- probably the guy with the broken kneecap, I would imagine. Who are these? F- <laughs> <laughs> this comes from Alex, who says, Ian and Kev, my act of irrational annoyance comes when people post on Facebook that they can't wait to meet their newborn baby. Uh, no, you're not going to meet your baby. You're going to give birth to them. The baby will not go to shake your hand and say, pleased to meet you. Just after it's been born, <laughs> it will say, Wah! and then shit itself. <laughs> if an adult you just met for the first time did that, you probably wouldn't want to meet them again. <laughs> Brilliant. And then you give it another 20 months and you start saying, what? This is, uh, this is a longer one, but it comes from Stephen Croydon, who says, uh, I hope I got the name of this segment right, but if not, you know the one that I mean. Okay. Uh, my, that's annoying. My, my annoyance is when you're in a crowded commuter train and people want to move past you to get further in. Not a problem in itself. It's good when people do that rather than all crowding near the door area. Mm. But then get off at the next stop or two like Battersea Park or Clapham Junction, if you're travelling from Victoria. And you have then have to push their way to the doors. Why the heck not just stay near the door and let someone who will be on the train for longer go there in the first place? That's fair dues, isn't it? We could do an entire podcast on trains, and it feels like we have done many times in the past. 
Some people get very annoyed about that, don't they? Can you please move down? Yeah, and then you uh, no, we can't move down. Yep. Uh, this in from John, who says, I hate the tune Horse With No Name by America. <laughs> Andre. Bloody hell, that was quick. <laughs> He's got his finger on the pulse. It is the audio equivalent of chewing rock wool. As for the lyrics, revel in the insipid banality of there were plants and birds and rocks and things. There were plants and birds and rocks and things. What a fair point. Despite this, this band were given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Bollocks in 2010. <laughs> and this boring non-music was used in a recent advert for a <laughs> car. Brackets, not the superb Mitsubishi, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Good man. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather saw my own arm off. With a rusty banjo, <laughs> says Cyber John. Cracking email. Although I'm a bit of a, uh, bit of a fan of the, uh, the horse. You can't man. be. Uh, this from Daniel the Robot, who says, I uh, love the podcast, keep up the good work. Uh, here's a few random acts of irrational annoyance. Uh, Julie Walters, he says, is the first one. Actress who's achieved such acclaim and fortune from basically playing the same busybody, slightly eccentric, unfunny, dotty character for 30 years. If not longer, yeah. Did she win an Oscar for... Educating Rita. I think she did. Michael Caine was in that, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. She's a curious kind of offering, isn't she, Julie, Julie Waters? I haven't seen her in anything for a while. He also doesn't like vertical blinds, self-cancelling car indicators, and pedestrians crossing right near busy roundabout exits. Guess they're required for pedestrian convenience and safety, but you're often met with a sudden queue of vehicles, blockages, area congestion and road rage because of the proximity of these pesky red light lifesavers. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they're there for, folks. Yeah. It's very easy to be negative about Oh, there driving. is a final one from Will Guyatt. Oh. Random acts of Rational Alliance waiting on a weekly basis for a podcast invite. Who was that from? Will... No. No. No idea. No, no idea. Credit stream... And don't forget, of course, if you like this podcast, uh, to rate, review, and importantly, subscribe. hit the subscribe, tell everybody you know, email your entire inbox, text every mate you have, and explain our existence for those who have yet, and Lord knows where they've been, to, <laughs> to discover this uh, beautiful pod-based offering on a bi-weekly basis. It is rather uh, stunning, I think, even if we say so ourselves. Well... Uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod. He supplied the incidental music. He's a co- incompetech.com. That's a com- the one. He's incompetent. Yeah. He's incompetent. <laughs> thank you to Kevin McLeod. He supplied the, the other bits of music, incompetech.com. Thank you to Abdul for supplying the coffee. Thank you to Andre for supplying the horsey music and the baby music. <laughs> he gets paid for this. It's yes. amazing. And thank you to uh, our sponsors and thank you to uh, Nelson Mandela. Yeah, why not? What a wonderful fella. Until next week. And we're back with a Will Guyatt special. <laughs> Goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out far.